surviving and walking in your purpose. I'm Gigi Blackshear, your host. Our guest has an amazing story of what it means to go from silence to success. Please welcome Dr. Jordan Vosmick, hmm. Academic Dean of the Jacksonville Art Institute. Dr. Vosmick, welcome to our show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So Dr. Vosmick, please tell our audience, who is Jordan Vosmick? And what is your survival story? Okay, um, right now I am a campus leader. I um, teach courses in psychology. I've earned a PhD in psychology and cognitive development. I care for my mother. I have two children who are teens, 12 and 15. I've been separated from my husband about nine months at my choice as part of my journey. And all of that sounds very good and very forward looking and mm -hmm. I feel relatively comfortable sitting here and speaking to you right now. But I have to say that this is a very high stress situation for me. It's manageable because my journey is all about going from a place where as a child I was unable to speak to people. I had something that um, might be labeled these days selective mutism. Not a medical condition. N not exactly. Um, what it means is I have an overactive inhibiting factor in my brain. So mm. if you think about all people have um, a balance between two neurological systems. One is like the gas and the other is like the brakes. Mm -hmm. So one tells you to go out into the world and take risks and try something and is looking for the reward of that kind of success. Mm -hmm. And then the other system is telling you to be careful, be cautious, right. hold back so you Not won't get risks. hurt. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And all of us live with that, those two systems as kind of a balance. And working together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, but for me, I was unable to initiate action. So mm. what it was like is, um, I, I, was, I didn't go to school till second grade, but when I did finally go into a traditional classroom, 
if the teacher asked a question and I knew the answer and wanted to contribute, I could feel it in my gut. Like, mm. I wanted to say something, but it was like stuck and I, it would just be such a struggle and then I never could. I couldn't get it out even though that was something I wanted to do. So it's not exactly the same thing as being shy. Something mm. a little more complicated. Another, another level. Yes. A deeper level. Yes. Um, and then I got very worried and anxious because I knew that if I did speak, it had been so long since I'd said anything that I was mm. certain my voice would crack. And that was completely embarrassing and that couldn't happen. So I just sat in silence and I was quiet and I said nothing for years. For years? How many years? Um, there were course situations where I was comfortable enough to talk with mm -hmm. my family at home. So that's why it's called selective, mm. right? Um, and a few friends. Right. But um, I was pretty extremely unable to talk through sixth grade or so. Oh my. Yes. Oh my. And my teachers knew that about me and they worked with me. Mm -hmm. you know, but to do something like give a speech in front of the class impossible. The situation of being like this on the spot with people looking at me or asking me for something would shut me down. Mm -hmm. And so I just couldn't respond and I would just stand there. I also couldn't deal with competition. Mm -hmm. So I did not like games of any sort. And because it was so stressful to think about the possibility of losing. Mm. And not exactly that I wanted to win. No, I didn't want to win. I didn't want to be in a situation where someone would tell me if someone. I was good or bad. You didn't want to be judged? Something like that. Something okay. It's too scary. Too scary. Too, scary. too okay. risky. And uh -huh. um, for example, when I, my fifth birthday party, I made my father promise that there would be no games at the birthday party. Can you imagine five-year-old birthday a party? five-year-old. And he thought that he was being so clever, so he did some nice things, like he had a treasure hunt, and he had this little uh, a race with paper um, paper turtles that you did pulled with strings, mm -hmm. and he thought that would be good. But oh, I pitched such a fit. <laughs> oh my. I, was a, I was a very effective fit pitcher. <laughs> um, and that's just an example, and so that that I. This is all part of something that I've dealt with, but at the same time, it was as though I was of two minds, two people. I wanted to be a part of things, and I wanted to talk to people, and I had things to say, and I was a voracious reader. You know, I read at a very early age. How did you, you said that went on up until, like, Fifth grade, sixth grade. Yes, even even before, but about sixth grade is when I started to take a turn for the better, to Good. take things into my own hands. How were you able to come out of that? Well, the first thing I did was um, start to work with theater. Mm. I had a friend who did a summer program with theater, and so I had a little bit of an opportunity to try that. And you'd think that would be the absolute worst thing. The last thing you want yes. to do. Except there was something about it to be in a situation where you have lines mm -hmm. or that's really 
a very safe space because you're supposed to behave silly. Yes, exactly. Mm -hmm. um, gave me some emotional room to try, mm -hmm. right? And then um, when I was older, I went to Douglas Anderson School, School of the of Arts. Arts here in Jacksonville mm -hmm. for... Um, at that point in time, the school went from 8th grade to 12th grade because mm -hmm. it was one of the very first magnet schools here and it was very right. new at the time. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the theater program had to do with things like improv mm -hmm. and it was just a consistent practice of getting words out of my mouth and with enough practice there was some desensitization yeah. that helped. And um, I think the main message, though, is that it was something that I wanted to change. That you wanted to change. I made the choice to go to that school yeah. when it was available to me. My parents were amazed, um, and it was very, very helpful. Let me ask you about your parents, mm -hmm. because listening to you talk about your dad and mm -hmm. the great lengths that he went through to for you to have a good birthday party, mm -hmm. it sounds like they were really supportive of you. They were. And that they did not try to force they were. They you outside of what you were comfortable with. They were pretty, pretty um, supportive in that way, yes. But it also just was impossible. Um, I, didn't, I didn't go to school until um, second grade. You were homeschooled? Or you just... Because I was so good at pitching fits. Mm. They started me in school. And it just didn't work. Okay. And so they were struggling to try to find a way to, mm -hmm. to make um, things all right for me. And all I wanted to do was sit still, yeah. you know, and have no one talk to me. <laughs> but as you see, I've certainly come a long way. You've come a very long way. Mm -hmm. The great thing is that you found something. Yes. To bring you out. Something to bring you out of your comfort zone, mm -hmm. something that you enjoy doing, and something that stretched you probably beyond your... Yes. <laughs> yeah. And mm -hmm. I, I never aspired to do theater in any professional way, but it was, I understood, a critical experience for me in just having a safe space to be able to express myself. Having a safe space. Yes, exactly. I like that. I yes. like that. So you were able to, through theater, mm -hmm. you were able to really find your voice yes. and use your voice and express yourself. Yes. And um, one of the things you said that was mm -hmm. powerful was that I wanted to. Mm -hmm. You had that desire on the inside. Yes. You wanted to be able to express yourself. You wanted to have normal. Yes. What we call normal interactions with others. Yes. And because you had that desire, you were able to find the thing. Yes. You were able to find the thing. And that's important. Mm -hmm. Yes. Having that desire. I think so, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I, yeah. I went out of my way to discover um, the kinds of things that people say to one another in casual conversation, which was so hard for me. You know, the uh, a I needed good models of people who were comfortable talking to other people and would, you know, meet strangers and um, uh, the the husband that I have separated from was a very good help to me in the beginning. Mm -hmm. I was with him for more than 20 years. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. He, that was one of his defining features, so he was a very friendly man, so he yeah. talked to everyone, so he was a good model. 
and um, I think that that was another thing to practice talking with people and then becoming a teacher and interacting mm. with students and giving lectures about things that I cared about. It mattered a lot to be prepared. It was like I mm. was um, rehearsing for regular life. Rehearsing for regular life. <laughs> yes. Finding ways to say things that would um, open up friendly conversation, finding ways not to run away when someone asked me questions, uh, things like that. Um, Dr. Bosmick, you have shared with us an amazing story. <laughs> and I'm so grateful that you were able to find your way from silence to success. <laughs> Thank you. We're going to come back in just a moment and hear more from Dr. Bosmick. We are back with Dr. Jordan Bosmick. Dr. Bosmick, tell our audience, what's next for Jordan Bosmick? Well, it's hard to say because the school that I've been leading for um, five years, and I've had many roles here, so I've been here for 10 years, mm -hmm. is closing. And so that's a, a big part of what I'm doing is shepherding students and faculty through the process of closing, and I will be done with that um, at the end of January next year and I will have to think about once again going out into the world and finding something new but I know that I can handle it I have a, a sense now that it's not such a scary process to have things be up in yes. the air I had one other experience that was very formative to me in 2008 we discovered that my mother had a brain tumor. Oh it was large um, but benign. Um, and she had to have an emergency surgery uh, that was very sudden. She worked as a nurse midwife here in Jacksonville, delivered thousands of babies over the year at St. Mm -hmm. Vincent's Hospital. And all of a sudden she couldn't work. Oh. And brain surgery is not a simple thing and there's a lot of recovery. So. At the time, I was living in New Jersey in my first uh, professorship job. Mm. You know, I was a tenure-track professor at a little liberal arts school up there. But this situation came upon me, and it was, you know, all of the family came rushing to the hospital. And we were all together with my mother in there for about a week. But then everyone started leaving. Oh, they all went home. back to their lives. Yes with no particular discussion about it, but I realized I was the last man standing and that someone had to take her home. Mm. Mm. <laughs> so um, ultimately, I moved my family back home, which is here in Jacksonville, yeah. into my old house, putting my children in my old bedroom. You know, it was a serious coming back home experience. Okay. okay. And I had a very intense caretaking experience for mm. quite a while. You know, mm. she had issues of, of blood pressure that meant if she stood up that she would lose consciousness and fall. So I had to kind of make first of all try to make her sit still. And then when she didn't yeah. <laughs> walk behind her and catch you her. You had to be there to catch her. Yes. So at the same time as raising your own children, yes, you and were they, a they mother were as well as a caregiver for your mother. Yes. That had to be challenging. It was. Yeah. But I tell you what, it was the single most experience that has let me know that I can do these things. Yeah. And that 
not having certainty about exactly what is going to happen next doesn't bother me. Yeah. It's all right. Yeah. It's through trial and tribulation that we mm -hmm. learn mm -hmm. who we are. That's right. Who we are and what we can do. Mm -hmm. And what we can do. Well, you have shared with us the most wonderful story Thank of you. being able to, even though you had some disadvantages starting out, mm -hmm. you were able to turn those disadvantages to your favor mm -hmm. and end up doing things that you love. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Vosmick, thank you so much for sharing your You're story welcome. with us. We know that there is someone out there that's watching your story <laughs> that is going to be helped by it. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Next, we're going to hear from Life Coach LaRonda Howard with some additional resources. We are back with Certified Life Coach LaRonda Howard. LaRonda, welcome back to our show. Thank you for having me. Rhonda, after listening to Dr. Bosmick's story, and you, she was an amazing story. Yes, she has very amazing. been able to accomplish a great yes. number of things. Mm -hmm. Having heard her talk about um, experiencing that silence mm -hmm. as a child, mm -hmm. really through her formative years, yes. what resources could you mm -hmm. suggest or offer to someone that may have experienced that themselves mm -hmm. or that may have a child at home true. that is not speaking. Mm -hmm. What would you suggest to wow. someone? Um, I definitely, I enjoy hearing her story and just, you know, what kept going through my head was like support groups, you know, she kept talking about the theater, which was like a safe haven. So just finding those ways to put your child in a, in a surrounding that is um, inviting of people of uh, whatever may be going on in their life that's accepting of who they are and what they're going through, um, you know, perhaps a, um, you know, a psychologist, counselors, you know, those individuals that mm -hmm. could truly help her overcome what she, of course, did, you she know, was able to and, overcome. and has supportive parents, I believe, in the yes. end, that helped her go beyond any other person outside of the home is having supportive parents that understand where their child was and not trying to force them to be somebody that they're not ready to be. Mm -hmm. And that's important what yes. you said because during her story I thought about as a mother, yes. you know, you want the best for of your course. children mm -hmm. and you expect them yes. to have a certain life yes. and to live it out a certain mm -hmm. way. Mm -hmm. And when it doesn't play out that exactly. way, how do you as a parent, yes. at that time you have to make a decision. That's right. You know, how are you going to best be able to deal with mm -hmm. that child exactly. and nurture mm -hmm. and give them love and support and help them to develop into yes. what they need to, yeah. to become, what they want to become. Definitely. So it, in her story, you could tell that mm -hmm. her parents were very supportive yes. of yes. her, um, even though at times I'm sure it was a struggle, of it was course. challenging, of course. you know, mm -hmm. um, because we want, we want the best yes. for our children. And when we they're not... The like you said, quote unquote, normal to to what people would think, you know, um, that's when, you know, it, it really does depend on that parent to safeguard their child, say, okay, this child is different from the next. It's like, you mm -hmm. know, if you have multiple children, each child is different. So yeah, her learning curve was different, but this being respectful and being flexible and adapting to where she was until she was ready to, you know, continue to, um, on her journey. The other piece to that mm -hmm. was that she had teachers exactly. that were willing yes. to work with her. Yes. Um, 
And you know, kids come all different. Exactly. They're all different. Exactly. And for those that are in the education field, mm-hmm. you know, you have to recognize that mm-hmm. there are no cookie cutter children. That's it. And that we have to meet them where they are. Where they are. Meet them where mm-hmm. they are and really um, try to work with them. Yes. Um, yes. In order that we don't cause further damage. Exactly. You know, exactly. sometimes, I, and I can say that because I have a mm-hmm. son that was a very different child. Mm-hmm. He was determined to do his own That's thing, right. his own way. Mm-hmm. And so you don't want to get caught into trying to put a round peg into That's a square right. hole. Or, you know. Put them in a box. Put them in a box and try to treat them all the same. Mm -hmm. Um, You have to be willing to deal with that child exactly where they are. Exactly. And my prayer for my son was, Mm -hmm. God, I know that Samuel is precious in your sight. Show me how to nurture that preciousness. So as a parent, I could kind of understand Mm -hmm. some of the challenges that her parents may have gone through Mm -hmm. with really just wanting the best for her. Of course. Um, but she was able to find the thing, yes, yes. able to find the thing, mm-hmm. and that's why we should keep looking, exactly. you know, keep seeking, mm-hmm. and and really not give up hope. Exactly. You know? And I feel like she found her purpose. Yeah. Like, the theater was, she, rather she realized at that moment, of course, but, you know, of course, look at the... Look at the journey that she's had since then, you know, being the yeah. dean of an art school, like having other, like, it always ends up being a part of your purpose, whether you realize it or not. Yes. And just helping paying it forward. You know, her story is going to help, as you mentioned, so many individuals. And but, I like the idea mm-hmm. that her creativity yes. was really developed exactly. because she became a voracious reader during that time. Mm-hmm. So even in that silence, she was still able mm-hmm. to grow and to develop yeah, and learn mm-hmm. and learn. Yes. Yeah. 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 It's good. So it's just proof positive that mm-hmm. where there's a will, there's, there's a, way. a way. There's a way. Mm-hmm. Coach Howard, thank you thank so you. much for sharing thank your wisdom you. with our guests. I'll be back in just a moment with some final thoughts. In listening to Jordan's story, it was a blessing to me that the way we start out our lives doesn't necessarily have to dictate the way our lives end or the way we end up. As parents, we want the very best for our children. We have a responsibility to love, nurture, and care for them in whatever state they're in. Jordan had parents that were able to help her to find the thing that she wanted, the thing that she needed to do in order to get to that place of creativity. Because she was nurtured, because she had her family support, she was able to find the thing that made her heart sing. Thank you for watching our show.